I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. Hello, everyone. This is Jimbo. It's been a while, I think like three weeks to be exact. We haven't been uh, around for a while. I was a bit busy, but we're now getting started again. We're now going to get some new guests. And today we have someone quite interesting. It's a expert on organic Facebook traffic. So let's see what she has to say. Hey, how's it going? Hi, I'm amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So can you begin by giving me a bit of a brief summary about who you are, what you're about and what your message is? Yeah, sure. I'd love to share it with you. Well, you know, and I love the fact you said I'm a Facebook guru, but I personally believe that all business owners can actually be uh, gurus with their own Facebook marketing when they know how. And the reason I know that is because I taught myself. So I'm originally from South Africa, so you'll notice this really mixed accent. Now I live in Australia. Moved here 13 years ago, and when I did, I was going to stay and look after my children. I had two four-year-old daughters, twin daughters, and my youngest was one. And I was going to look after the kids. And my husband at the time, he was going to, he had a job here in Australia. We're paying our way into the country. So we had no money. I had no marketing background, no experience at all. And what happened in the first couple of years is he was made redundant twice and they were going to send us back to South, South Africa. So instead what I did was support myself Facebook. And I discovered that it was a great way for me to be able to grow my presence and grow my brand and get myself out there. And I grew a six-figure business without paying for ads, uh, without having any marketing experience, no startup capital, and, and without really liking being online. In fact, I don't like being online. I like being offline. So I want to be able to do things simply and effectively um, so I can spend my, more time offline. That's quite interesting. And what sort of pushed you to make this great change and really motivate yourself to start running a six-figure business? Because not too many people can make that that jump. Look, um, you know, initially it was financially because we had, in South Africa, we had everything. We had paid off cars, paid off houses. We were well, well established. But when we came to Australia, we we're literally starting from scratch and had nothing, plus paying ourselves into the country and not being on welfare so with no welfare there was really no motivation and I said that there was actually quite a good thing because the 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 only motivation you really have is to you have to make it work you've got to get it working there is no other choice so when I looked at everyone else and what they were doing I mean there were there was no other choice all I could do was the time that I had I could just use it effectively to be able to connect with people and grow a business and I had no time to waste and I had no time to you know, uh, struggle in it or make mistakes. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was focusing on making sure that I had a simple strategy that was easy to implement, especially when you're looking after three small children at the time. The reason I actually ended up going into the business of teaching that, that I learned for myself, was because what I found was there are so many business owners out there that are literally winging it. They're crossing their fingers, they're spitting out content, and they're just hoping for the best. And when I looked at my story and what I did, I went, you know what? You don't have to outsource it. You don't have to jump into advertising. I really wanted to empower business owners that they too could do it themselves and that they don't have to outsource it, don't have to pay for ads, that they can do it if they do it correctly, if they do it well. Do you think the environment that you came from gave you 
sort of a strategic advantage or disadvantage when it came to getting into this industry? Well, the original industry that I was in was the health, wellness and fitness industry. So there's no sort of connection between, you know, going into marketing and what I did previously for 20 years, which was, you know, manage health, wellness and fitness centres. So um, I think if anything, that inspires other business owners that you don't have to be a marketing guru, you don't have to have a background, that you can actually use social media effectively when you know how. I think it's also important to note that it's not cookie cutter and it's not fluffy and it's not one size fits all. It's important to know that what, however you are as a person, there's a strategy for you. So if you're introverted or extroverted, you can have a suitable strategy that you'll enjoy implementing because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to continue doing it. And secondly, um, when it comes to all the different platforms and that you can find your own groove and your own strategy. And just because someone is monetizing a group or someone else is, you know, running a challenge, you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. You just have to do what's right for you and what's right for your ideal client. So from what I'm getting from a lot of this is you're sort of a, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're sort of a jack of all trades in a sense. You know, you could kind of do everything. Um, look, I think I'm fortunate enough that having had the, the experience in the health, wellness and fitness business for 20 years, I think what I do is I bring a bit of holistic stuff into the coaching that I have, the understanding that, you know, in the fitness industry, if someone went to a personal trainer and they don't like doing burpees, but you made them do burpees every single day, chances are they're not going to enjoy it. Chances are they're not going to come back and chances are they're probably going to hurt themselves. And I think it's the same when it comes to social media as business owners. You don't have to not enjoy it. You can enjoy it. You've just got to find something that you enjoy doing. But obviously it has to connect with you and it's got to connect with your ideal clients. So I think that I bring that into what it is that I do. A couple of the other things that we focus on, besides the business owner being happy with the strategy they get, is making sure that um, they are very confident um, and competent in the platform that they choose. So if they choose Facebook, they feel safe using it. And that, for me, was always a very important thing. A lot of the time people don't use the platforms because they don't fully understand who's seeing what or um, how, you know, how to get a reach or growth, or, you know, if they do get trolled, how do they block someone? So because they feel unsafe, it actually stops them from using those platforms. So for me, being able to show people that there is a way that you can have a private public profile has really helped people like lawyers, psychologists, um, a lot of um, women in business that potentially have come out of DVO relationships and they are running businesses they still need to be able to have or feel safe to have a public private profile. And when you understand the settings and you understand how to do it and you've got complete competence in the platform, you can feel safe using it. And when it comes to using the platform and people using Facebook, what's the difference between mainly organic traffic and the other types of traffic, the other type of traffic? Yeah, sure. So the difference between organic and paid advertising for me and in my experience, unless you get the organic stuff right, it doesn't matter how much money you put behind it, it's not going to work. It's kind of like taking, it's trying to build a house when you don't have the foundations in place. It doesn't matter how much money you put into it. It doesn't matter how much time, it's never going to work. 
So getting the fundamentals of the basics right is basically the organic traffic. And that is understanding how the platform works. And what I like to say is milk it for everything it's worth. So when you're on the platform and they ask you, the platform asks you to put in your details and set up your profile, it's important to go through the process and set it up because the platform needs that information to be able to trigger the algorithm, which is responsible for the organic traffic. And then when you do the fundamentals and you tick the boxes like get reviews online, which shows relevancy online, posting consistently, which shows that your business is consistent, engaging in your in your ideal customer shows that you're interested in your audience, which means they're going to bring you higher up in the algorithm. You do not have to pay for advertising. The algorithm will actually start bringing you towards your ideal customer because you are doing all the right things according to that platform. And that's organic traffic. Now, with paid advertising, a lot of people will go and they'll half set up their platform and not fully understand how to do it. And it's kind of, again, like the fitness industry where they're looking for a magic pill where they say, I just want to lose weight, but I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to eat well for like eight weeks or exercise for eight weeks. I just want it now. A lot of people will go into advertising um, and, you know, advertising costs a lot of money and you need a specialist to, to manage those profiles for you. And really what you're doing is going in and targeting specific people based on what you think. So you're trying to stimulate that algorithm and get it to work for you. Now, if you get it right, great. But in my experience, if you do not have the organic fundamental parts right, your return on investment with the advertising can be quite expensive. Why do you think a lot of people veer well, you kind of went into the, the people want quick fixes, but what are the advantages to having organic traffic specifically? Because I think a lot of people don't care that much about things like inbound marketing and really building that attraction connection because they don't think it would pay off as well. Because they see all these big businesses blowing all this money into Facebook. And, you know, so kind of give a bit of your opinion on that. Yeah, 100%. Look, at the end of the day, it comes down to building genuine, meaningful relationships, okay? And sometimes people just want to hand it off to someone else. I like to use the example of Tinder. And if you were dating on Tinder and say there were, you know, three people that you were going to go and see for the next day, it's kind of like taking your VA and going, can you go and interview those people for me and see if, they for, if they're going to be right for me? So, so too many people are wanting just to outsource it. But in my experience, why I feel that happens is because they don't have a strategy and they don't have competence in the platform. Once someone has sat down with them and showed them how it actually works, you don't spend your life online because you actually know what works. Uh, when you have a strategy, it's really easy because you get up every day, you just follow the strategy and it works. So it's rewarding. Too many people have had too many bad experiences, don't fully understand the platform, so they go, well, I'll just outsource it or I'll give it to someone else. Okay, and speaking of strategies, what's the best way to sort of drive interactions on a Facebook page? Yeah, look, obviously, you know, always a hard thing and in the early days people would always like comment and share but now because there are so many social media platforms around and because news feeds are clogged with so much information in fact a lot of ads as well what happens now is people just scroll they're less likely to push like comment or share however if you engage your audience by asking them questions getting their feedback perhaps running a poll 
Um, those are ways that you can actually invite your your audience to participate in the conversation. And again, it's kind of like a dating thing. If you sat down at a date and you just went me, 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 me the whole time, chances are you're not going to get a second date. However, the t- conversation really does need to be two-sided. And this means that you really should understand what your audience likes so that you can show interest in that or provide content on that. How do you understand what your audience likes? Uh, one of the best things that, that I always say is, you know, is do a customer, like a survey, a customer survey or get some feedback. So there's a really cool platform called SurveyMonkey. It's free. You get up to like 10 questions that you can ask. But so many people, you know, go into business, they create offers, they go and they start marketing. But often it's they, they've got it completely wrong. They usually got the wrong offer or they've got the wrong audience. And if you have the wrong offer and the wrong audience or even the right audience but wrong offer, there's going to be disconnect and you're going to get a, a no. You're not going to get a yes. So it's important for you to consider who your ideal customer is. And they need to be a paying customer because too many people go, well, my customers don't have money. Well, then they're not customers. <laughs> so they might be fans. But your ideal customer is someone who's actually prepared to pay you for what it is that you have. So doing beta campaigns is really awesome. You could go and trial it, take a desirable offer out onto social media, get some people in to test and trial it in in exchange for getting reviews and success stories. That is a great way. I often get my the business owners that I work with to do that. So that's beta testing. The other one, as I said, is that survey monkey where you can actually go and find out, you know, survey them and anonymously because if you survey them anonymously, you're more likely to get an honest response. Uh, and then have a look at people that you've previously worked with and ask them, you know, take them out for a coffee and say to them, what did you like about this? What are you interested in? What type of content would you like to see more of? And then start creating or experimenting with that on social media. One of the most important things to do then is to go into your insights and check that it's working. So when you go to your insights on any of the platforms, with Facebook, for example, it'll tell you male or female. It'll tell you the demographic of the likes on your page. It'll tell you the demographics of those who are engaging. And then you will know if you're hitting the right market. What do you think? Do you think a lot of people look at that insights page or they don't look at it enough? So I always say, if you want to be a business owner, you need to own your business. And to own your business means that you've constantly got to be analyzing it and looking at the results and going, is this working or not working? And how can I improve on it? So business, a lot of them don't do it. And certainly those who work with me get taught to do that because it is a valuable information to know if it's working or not working because else you are literally gambling and you are just winging it. So any business owner that is really passionate about having an income-producing, profitable business needs to do the yucky stuff, and the yucky stuff is going and looking at what is working or not working and seeing how you can tweak it. And it doesn't mean change it. A lot of the time people go in and they'll completely change something. It's actually about looking at the process and where exactly the process is going wrong and just tweaking or changing that process. And what's sort of your what's sort of your uh strategy to kind of look at and analyze and coach businesses? Are some businesses easier to promote and maybe market than other businesses? I think that, you know, coaching businesses, I mean, I love coaching business and service-based businesses, and I love businesses that have a particular niche because for me, I'm all about the point of difference. When it comes to social media, there's too much of the same thing. 
So for me, it's all about not what you do that's the same as everyone else, but what is it that you do that's differently? So when I work with businesses, particularly in the coaching industry and in the niche-based businesses, it's about being able to effectively communicate what that is on social media so that you start to become memorable like McDonald's. And how do you sort of build that that memorability? Because when you say that word, I think of, you know, yeah, you're posting content frequently, but you're also emotionally connecting with your audience as well. How do you sort of build that? Uh, one of the most powerful ways of doing that is consistently to tell your story. So uh, part of the process that we go through is around crafting a story that sells, meaning it's taking your journey, your personal journey, and then your business journey, and taking that journey and crafting it into a story where people can connect with you. Because all you've got to do is get up, oh, that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, that sounds like me. Oh, yeah, I get that. And that's what we need. We need to get more yeses. So when we can connect to two people on your story and on your journey and your experiences, as well as your values, and then some cute little things like whether or not you love your dog or whether or not you're a cat person or, you know, whether or not you're a camping person, like whatever that special things are, people will start to connect with you at that level. And what's the best way to engage with your fans or your customers? Because I think a lot of times businesses will build this big audience but they don't know how to engage with them and it begins to create issues. How do you do that? I think it's really important to engage your audience before you uh, – well, I think engaging your audience is actually going to build a big audience because, for me, I'm not into egometrics. A lot of people are into numbers, so they will go and get, you know, extreme amounts of numbers of people on their platforms. However, if those people – if those people who are following are the wrong people, you're actually diluting your algorithm. So it's like taking uh, coconut water and going and pouring water into it, and it just become ends up becoming water, and it becomes not as not as strong coconut water. So it's really important that whoever you do have on your followers list are the right people, because that helps tell the platforms. The platform will stalk those people and go, what is common about those people? They like this. They show interest in this. This is what this person is offering. And the algorithms will start to bring more of those people in and help that with that engagement. So I think it's really difficult if you've got a huge audience and they have never been engaged or they're the wrong audience. It's really hard to get that active again. Really, really hard. So for, it, it happens quite a bit in Facebook groups. People will go and grow a Facebook group and they'll have anything from 500 to 10,000 people in a Facebook group. But they'll go, I haven't posted in the last six months. You know, I haven't created any content. I don't even have a clear description in there. I've actually rebranded since then. And people go, what can I do with this group? Can I get it going again? It's really hard to almost to take dead weight or no interest and reactivate that. It is actually quite a difficult thing to do. Sometimes it can be better just to start fresh and go, I'm going to start fresh with a strategy and I'm going to take people in and engage them right from the start. And, again, I bring it back to a, a, a dating. If, if we were dating and well, you're just starting to date someone and show interest in them and you never contacted them for three or four weeks or you never replied to their messages, chances are they're going to lose interest and go somewhere else. And when it comes to all of this, how do you think certain people can automate their marketing? Because I think, you know, it's very hard to be consistent with marketing if you don't know how to automate. 
What are your ways of automating marketing? I think for everyone, it's really important that well, one of the fundamentals I teach is you've got to get people off social media because if Facebook or Instagram, any of the platforms go down, you've lost everything. So for me, it's always about creating a business off social media and it's about getting your customers off social media and as quickly as possible. And one of the ways to do that is to have opt-ins or landing pages or ebooks or something that you can use to be able to get an email address to be able to nurture them. Because on social media, sometimes people aren't ready to buy right now. And they may be interested in what you've got, but it might not be right for right now. Maybe they've got a few questions. So it's important to be able to continue to nurture them. And whilst we can do that on social media, because of the feeds and how many people are on there and the timeline, it can be hard to do. So for me, it's about getting them onto an email list. And if we can get them onto the email list through um Various opt-ins. We often use ebooks. Might do it if somebody books a call, you'll go into the email list. It might be if you run a webinar, they register for a webinar. Maybe if you do a challenge, uh, if they enter your Facebook group, you can grab their email address. Um, so for me, one of the most important sort of systems or automations you can have in your business is to go, well, how am I going to get the email address? And how am I going to nurture them until they say yes? Because people have got to be touched multiple times before you're going to get that yes. And speaking of reaching out to people and all these strategies, one thing that really interests me is what are some of your best success stories? I want to hear a few. <laughs> so one of my best success stories was oh, I've got I've got so many, but it you know it really is relative to the type of business that I have. But um, I was working with a naturopath and she had an email database of people that she collected off social media. The social media, she was trying to re-engage and, you know, she was re she rebranded. So we were trying to get that up and running again, but she had an email list. So I said, well, let's go into the email list. We'll set up this email campaign. Um, we'll remind them that they have come from social media and what they were interested in. So we'll make it logical to the customer We'll send them this update, let them know about the rebrand, a little bit about the story, and then we'll invite them to um, to buy your new program that you have. And I think she was making a couple of thousand dollar sales just off that email, and she was absolutely shocked um, because a couple of thousand dollar sales are people simply just purchasing from the email, and that was reengaging people that originally had opted in through social media. So. When we talk about a strategy, a strategy is always right from the beginning, which is right till the end, and the end is always money. And sometimes that email nurture, you know, that email nurturing is important to be able to get that sale at that end. A couple of other sales we ha I had one company. Um, they're a non-alcoholic beer company. We did an, uh, an email campaign, so they had they got expressions of interest of social media. We got them into the email list sent out a campaign for them, and I think they did $23,000 in two minutes, um, which was insane, which is pretty awesome. Um, another coach that I had, she originally started on LinkedIn. She came to me and said she wants to get onto Facebook. She finds it a little bit more user-friendly. Um, she wasn't clear on what her offer is, so we clarified what that was. And because nobody knew her, I said to her, let's start a webinar funnel. Let's create a webinar that every like your ideal customer is going to want to show up for and watch um, and we spent four weeks in social media building that know like and trust creating conversations um, getting people into the webinar and before the webinar even uh, ran she signed up a three point two thousand dollar client 
So a person contacted her and said, I love the webinar, I want to show up for the webinar, but can we have a chat beforehand, which they did, and they signed up for a $3,200 program. So that's organic. That's without paying for anything. Um, you know, that's just following a process and a strategy. And when it comes to following processes and strategies, when's the best time to kind of dig in and focus in on those insights and really getting those numbers up and then sitting back and sort of smelling the roses? Yeah. So um, for me, I always do it quarterly. So I like to do it quarterly where I'll go and I'll map out what the plan is for the next quarter. And the plan should always be money. How much money do you want to make in that quarter? Well, that means what do you have to sell in order to make that? How many customers is that? Well, where are those customers hiding out? What do they need to hear from me in order to say yes and buy that? And how are we going to get them to do that? How are we going to map that out in the next quarter? And then I will review weekly. I'll go into the insights and review weekly, uh, watch the insights, you know, work out whether or not that's working or not working and look and make sure that I am at least working towards that goal at the end of the quarter. When it comes to goal setting, how does one set goals and realistic goals? I know. I had one lady come to me and she said to me, oh, Chantel, um, I want to sell a $10,000 program. And I do not want to have a discovery call. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want them to see it on social media and click buy and pay $10,000. And, and I just went, I'm sorry, but you're not Tony Robbins. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> like For $10,000, you're going to have to have a conversation with someone and you're going to have to talk to them. You know, it doesn't matter what you do on social media. You're still going to have to have a conversation, I'm sure, before someone, you know, pays $10,000. So realistic's really important. So when we nutted it out and have a look at it, then it's about going, well, for me, it's how much money you got to make. And I think it comes back to my personal story in that we had no welfare. Uh, we were really struggling with, with my three daughters and only one parent earning, earning at the time. So for me, I literally did exactly what I said is I worked out how much money I needed to make, made sure that I had a valuable, desirable offer that someone was prepared to pay, worked out how many of those I needed to sell. And I must say this as well. So many people will go, well, if I need to make $1,000, and I've got to get my maths right, if I need to make $1,000, what I'll do is I'll create a $10 program and then I've got to sell 1,000 of those programs. Is that right? 100 of those programs. 100 programs, 100 $10 programs to make $1,000. Or you can sell one program that's $1,000. It's often a lot easier to sell one thing than it is to sell 100 things. So I often say to people, you've got to also look at that and go, is it sometimes it can be better to actually look at the bigger offer rather than going, well, I'm going to get them in for a $10 offer, then I'm going to upsell them into a $20 offer, then upsell them into a $30 offer. There's a lot of marketing, a lot of selling that has to happen, a lot of strategy. So for me, and this is what I do, we start on the higher number and go, well, let's put together a desirable customer outcome focused package that someone's going to be prepared to pay let's create that and then find someone who will say yes to that you explain like how do you find somebody that can say yes how do you sort of find is it just more of a numbers game or are we looking for something more specific it's called stalking <laughs> it's called stalking so um really getting familiar with uh with who you're 
client avatar is. And there's a process that I take people through. It's about stalking your ideal customer or stalking your avatar and to see if they are your ideal customer or even vision boarding them or manifesting them, you know, whatever sort of, whatever your belief systems are. But going, if this is what the program is and this is what the program or the offer promises, what is the person struggling with? What is their pain and what are they struggling with? Because if they've got that pain and they're struggling with that thing, then this is the answer. All I've got to do is communicate that to them. So if you're clear on pain and you're clear on the solution, it's easy to find. And then it's about nutting it down and going, well, how old is that person? Because a lot of the time, especially on Instagram, people will go, um, oh, you know, my ideal client is 25 to 35 years old. And by the time I've worked it out, a 25 to 35-year-old person is less likely to buy a $5,000 program than a 35 to 45-year-old person. So it's about looking at, what they what they are interested in, the time of life that they're in. Are they busy with young children at the time? Maybe their children have left home, so now they're older and they try they want to invest in themselves, so they're happy to pay the money. Maybe they've got their own property, which means they've got some money that you know behind them, so they don't mind paying that kind of money. So it's about just going and looking at that. It's about um, I call it brain dumping it, just brain dumping every aspect of it until you can really nut down. What age group, what gender, um, age group, gender, likes, dislikes, pain is super important. What pain are they going through? Is what you're offering going to solve that pain? So when we're talking about consulting that pain, you're basically talking about what is your actual market value? Are you actually providing something good in the market for people? Well, the thing is, is that if you make it about price, your customer will make it about price. If you make it about value, your customer will make it about value. So if you can effectively communicate to them the value of your product and what it's going to do for them, so not the deliverables, but the value of it, it will help. And that works with consultancy, but it also works with product-based businesses. Even if you were to sell a supplement or you're selling a pair of shoes, at the end of the day, if you tell the person that pair of shoes is going to make them, um, you know, attract their ideal uh, those that pair of high heels is going to make them attract their ideal you know, partner and that's what that person's pain point is, they will pay whatever for that pair of shoes. What's sort of the difference between companies that go leading with a price versus go leading with the value? Oh, look, I see it all the time. And look, whatever your strategy is, if, if you're deciding to make it about price, then you've just got to be competitive. And I don't know if you saw your um, inbox over Black Friday, Black Friday is everyone actually for the whole month of November because this year it seemed that Black Friday was the whole month of November. Everyone was selling everything and you'd go into your inbox and there were all these offers and all they were doing was making it about price because the trend for 2021 has been there's less impulse buying at the moment, meaning that before if you saw that you could buy two and get one free, you would just click buy right away. In the last year, impulse buying is down dramatically, which means that people will now look at that, work out what the price is per item. They will then go out onto social media. They'll go to Google. They'll go everywhere. And they will go and search and see if that is actually the the cheapest amount. They won't just impulse buy. So if a company decides to go down the price way, you've got to to now know that impulse buying is down. People are now going to go check that price. They're not just going to purchase. And why is value marketing a lot less competitive? Uh, 
Um, it's not that it's less competitive. For me, it's about it's about whoever communicates best. So whoever communicates it best through your content, whoever communicates it best through use of the platform, so actually understanding how reach happens online, actually understanding how to get the maximum um, visibility online. Whoever uses social media best and whoever fe- effectively communicates it best is most likely to get the client. And when we do all this and we continue doing all this, do your Facebook skills carry over to other social media and other platforms because that would make sense if they do it have you taken advantage of that experience you've had with facebook so i personally believe that everyone should have one primary platform that they should spend 80% of their time on so for me that still is facebook facebook um is working for me but there's other things to take into account it's not just about the platform that you enjoy using it's about the platform that your ideal customer enjoys using So for example if you're using Instagram it's a younger demographic uh they're more based on hashtags and it's more based on pictures Facebook is more storytelling people are older and there's a lot more word of mouth referrals happening on Facebook so for me it's about understanding that you have a strategy for your business you have a strategy uh which includes your primary platform the platform has to be right for your audience and right for your offer I will spend 80% of my time on that platform but then I will repurpose the appropriate content on that platform so that I have branding consistency on the others. So my other platforms offer branding consistency and for credibility, they are not my income producing platforms and I'm happy with that. What usually happens is people try and they make every single platform their income producing platform and they try and do the same strategy on every platform now how you talk to a 25 year old is different to how you talk to a 45 year old and the type of content that you share is different so if you disrespect the platform and disrespect the audience by doing the same strategy across the platforms you are you are literally cutting off your arms so for me it's about having that income producing yeah. strategy making sure that you have the right platform um and focusing 80% of your time on that platform. Okay, so we talked a lot about strategy, but how do you choose an income producing platform? What are some of the ways you could pick these? Again, it just comes down to that valuable offer. If you do not have a valuable offer that someone's prepared to pay you for and you cannot put it out, no one's going to buy it. So if I take something so let's use that $10,000 example. This lady had a coaching program it's $10,000 and she wants to go, you know, if she goes onto Instagram and tries to say, "Hey, listen, buy my $10,000 program." You're just going to get a no. No one's just going to hand over 10,000. You've got to create conversations and again, you've got to consider the age group. Usually the 25 to 35 year age group, they still kind of they're not investing as much money in themselves the older demographics tend to because they understand the value of having coaches and they understand the value of uh investing in themselves so if it's an income producing strategy it has to result on money it's got to be realistic it's got to be realistic to your audience realistic to you realistic to the platform and you have to be realistic in the fact that for example this $10,000 client she's going to need nurture sequences she's going to need a strong content plan she's going to have to have a strong retargeting plan a strong growth strategy she's going to have to do a lot of nurturing and chances are she might she might have to have a discovery call or do a webinar to communicate the value beforehand so an income producing strategy is making sure that the customer journey is correct so it's not just 
here's what I've got, buy it now. A customer journey is what's logical for the customer, what touch points are you going to have to have with them before you get a yes. And when it comes to certain platforms, when do you think age becomes a factor when you're navigating between different platforms? Do you think Facebook may be better suited for older people and Instagram for younger people? What, what do you think about all of that? Yes, look, generally it is. Um, we do find that older people seem, tend to do better with Facebook. A couple of years back now, I was actually invited to present on Channel 9 News here in Australia. They asked me to talk about seniors using Facebook. So even seniors um, that are retired are going onto Facebook and using Facebook because they're wanting to connect with their family. They're wanting to use Marketplace. Um, and so they are using the platforms. And in fact, I even teach at one of the retirement villages. They, they've brought me in a couple of times to go and teach the, reti the, the retired people how to use Facebook um, safely. So you have to be conscious of, you know, who's on that platform. Of course, there's going to be older people on that platform, but are they buying? So, for example, my partner, he's 50 years old. He might be on there. He might be looking at motorbikes. He might be looking at, you know, sport because of the pictures because men love pictures and they love to look at pictures. So they might be on Instagram for the pictures and for the videos. It doesn't mean they're necessarily buying. Um, so, as again, it just comes down to who's actually going to be part buying in the end. When it comes to you as a user, you working with people, what do you think is the future of your business? And what you want to do? Are you talking about my business personally? Yes, because like you have a lot of skills in working with Facebook pages and social media marketing. Are there any new steps and stages you'd like to do? Yeah. So when COVID um, happened, uh, a lot of people obviously understood that they now wanted to go online. So previously they'd gone, oh, "I don't want to go online." They were just avoiding it because, again, it's scary and new learning new things are scary. But when COVID happened, they realised they had no 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 option but to. Um, and because one of my points of difference is I physically sit down with people, um, or physically even through Zoom, and be able to show them exactly how to set up and use their profiles properly along with giving them a strategy and a plan. But a lot of people came to me and said to me, now that they had the strategy, they also wanted social media management. So we have started to do social media management. But again, we do it with a twist because we don't believe in cookie cutter. We don't believe in fluffy. And we believe in socials with feelings. And we don't believe that socials are going to work if they are general. And if there's no if there's no tone of the business owner, no tone or feeling of the business. So we created a social media management package that includes the business owner being involved, but we have managed some of the stuff for them to take away that load. Great. I think the next thing we want to get into is sort of your website. Let's take a quick look at your website. So one of the things we did with, with last year or during COVID is I rebranded from Facebook strategist to online business strategist. And the reason I ditched Facebook was because when artificial intelligence started, well, increased during COVID. So when they had less humans managing Facebook and more AI managing Facebook, what they ended up doing was every time somebody lost their platform or their platform got deleted, which can happen, you can just suddenly lose your platform, uh, everyone would call me because they'd think that I was Facebook. So I got inundated with people calling me. I also got inundated when people got divorced and they were like, oh, 
I don't want them having access to my pl platform. And, so, and I really wanted to focus on the strategy side of it and, you know, respected and acknowledged for the strategy side of business stuff that I do. Um, and hence why we rebranded re uh, probably about a year or two ago to online business strategist. So let's take a look at this for a second. So can you kind of give a bit of a gist on what this page is really talking about? Yeah, so um, a lot of what I do is obviously consultancy. So the, the done-for-you stuff that we do do is social media management and any other virtual assistant setup that you need us to do. Because what I found is that if, I, if someone came to me and said we wanted an income-producing strategy and I said, okay, well, we need to set up an email for you because I want you to be able to capture emails so we can nurture them, people would go, well, I don't know anyone. And that was holding us back. So I started to outsource my team. So my team, I now outsource my personal team so that if they need emails set up or if they need, you know, Stripe connected or they need Zoom connected or they need landing pages, sales pages to be able to take payment online or to book appointments online, I now have a team who can handle all of that as well. So those are the done-for-you services. But from the coaching side of things, my primary thing is one-on-one -on -one coaching. Most people come to me because of the one-on-one -on -one coaching. So we've got an eight-week package, we've got a five-month package, um, and then on top of it, we've got uh, a, a monthly ongoing one. So because a lot of business owners, they're kind of stuck and they go, every month, I need feedback, I need direction, I need someone keeping me on track um, and making me check the reviews and insights. Um, so I've got a, a, a monthly consulting one as well. I'm interested to know about the cost. So what's sort of the minimum cost you may need with most businesses? I know you can't give me a direct number, but like an average. The cost of? So sort of paying for ads or spending any money exactly. Sort of uh, the there is my program? Yes. yes. Just an average. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm happy to share. So most people go for my five-month package because that allows us to do multiple strategies. So it's... If you go back to the front page um, and scroll down, um, there's little flip folders over there which make it a bit easier. And most people, yeah, if you scroll down from there, most people go for the one-on-one -on -one consultancy and the five-month package allows us to do multiple strategies. So that would be coming up with a content plan, coming up with a growth strategy, making sure that the um, making sure that they've got an email set up making sure that they've got a booking calendar, that they've got opt-ins, so they've got ways to generate emails, um, that they have those nurture sequences set up, they have a webinar funnel, um, maybe perhaps they want to run a challenge, so either a challenge in a Facebook group or a um, an online challenge. Maybe they want to learn video marketing or lives. Usually it's a process of working one-on-one -on -one over five months to put that into place. Um, and that that cost is uh, $4,500, uh, which is Australian. And when we talk about, you know, local outsource Australian social media marketing, is that sort of a very niche thing or is that that's sort of normal in your type of environments? No, that is search engine optimized. So <laughs> that is the keyword phrase, which... Um, basically differentiating myself so when people go into Google and they'll have a look is that I can be outsourced as a consultant so they can't employ me full-time um, I'm just outsourced on a on a consultancy based uh, done for you yeah so with the done for you services 
everything is done by an Australian team that is is trained by me. So the social media managers and the virtual assistants, all of them are Australian. So we do not outsource them um, offshore. All of them is Australian, and I I oversee and I train all of them. Then the next one, uh, the free resources. What types of resources do you offer to people that are not paying? Do you sort of help people like that too? or Definitely, that 100%. So if you have a look at the free resources page, and this is really important for anyone who has sort of a website or if you're trying to um, if you're trying to build that know, like, and trust, you can repurpose your content into blogs. So I always tell everyone, you don't have to pay me a cent. All you've got to do is go read every single one of my blogs um, and you'll, you'll be able to do it. You just won't have the feedback. Um, so with the free resources, we've got blogs, uh, we've got podcasts, so people can obviously listen to the audio. And then we've got a free downloads page. So if you click into the free downloads, uh, this is what we talk about, being able to get email addresses from people and nurture them. So, you know, we've just created a 2022 content calendar so people can come onto the website and download that. Um, they can get an ebook, 21 Content Ideas That Outsmart the Algorithm. There's a Facebook ads checklist for those who need to see if they're ready for Facebook ads. Um, and there's a couple of other checklists there and templates which people can download and use. Okay. All right. And the final one, courses. I didn't really hear too much about courses when I was speaking with you. What's that about? Yeah, so, you know, like anyone, uh, your time is obviously, you only have a certain amount of time, especially as a consultant. So I do have online courses available as well. So anyone who works with me one-on-one gets all of those courses included in their program. And it's lifetime access. So when Facebook, Instagram, or any of the platforms change, I'll actually go and update that content. So in those courses, they choose coming up with an income-producing strategy for Facebook. There's a do-it-yourself Facebook ads program, which we created, which shows you what to do when you're starting out in in ads. Then we've got an online marketing online course as well, and that shows you how to set up your email, shows you how to set up a podcast, shows you how to lay out your website. It shows you how to um, create your opt-ins, how to come up with email subject lines, structure nurture sequences, um, and basically, if, 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 if people, because I really want, you know, I'm very passionate about startup businesses because that's obviously where I started. So it just allows business owners that are starting up who may not be in a position to afford one-on-one coaching, it allows them to be able to go on and buy the online course. Okay, okay. This was really great. All right. And I noticed you also have a YouTube channel. What do you use a YouTube channel for? Yeah, so Google is the number one player in the world. Facebook's only number two. And, of course, YouTube is Google. So we want to make sure that we're ticking all the boxes. And, again, it might be the South African in me. (laughs) Maybe I just like to milk everything for what it's worth, but I like to just get the most out of everything. So with regards to um, when you have Google and then you've got a YouTube channel, And then when you've got your YouTube channel and you've got it on your website and then you're posting uh, on social media, you just create this massive power triangle of organic traffic. And for me, I use my YouTube for two, two, two purposes. Number one is I store all my online course material on there, unlisted, so you can't see it, only when you buy the program you have access to those videos. So I use it for storage. And then, of course, I just use it to be able to host 
my other uh, webinars and other information and videos, as well as um, success stories, which are incredibly important um, when you're looking to, uh, you know, to sell a high-priced offer. Okay. Now let's kind of get into a few uh, finalizing questions. What do you think about unique marketing strategies such as writing books, for example? How do you think book writing can be used to sort of build a more closer interaction with audience members? Oh, look, I've seen so many people who've written books really struggle. Um, I've helped work and I've worked with many authors. And I always say to them, you know, the book does give you credibility, but it's not going to make you lots of money. So, again, it's about coming up with a, a real strategy around that. Um, I recently helped a lady who wrote a couple of books and she needed to make money. And she went, these books, like you sell one book, you make $5. Like it's it's not a lot. Like, um, you know, what else can I do? Um, and she's ended up starting a TV. She's actually got an online TV show and a radio host. And I think she's got over 50,000 subscribers. So people buy her book, but she's attracted an audience now who are going to buy her book. But she's actually monetized. She's got a different way of being able to monetize that now. So hers was all about sharing her story uh, and what she went through, and that's what her book is about. And now it's about inviting other people and guests onto the show with the same thing, and um, she's making money from that. So it's about looking at how you're going to make money. I do things backwards, as always. For me, I go and say, create a whole lot of content that your audience really likes and put that together as a book. Um, and that's what I did with my book on Amazon. I've got a... Um, a planner, a Facebook planner on Amazon. And I did that with mine. I just basically took all the worksheets and templates that I go through with my customers and clients, all the information that I share with social media, put that all together and then sell that as a journal or workbook or a planner. So it can at least be up on Amazon. You can attract people through Amazon, but usually the people who know, like, and trust me are happy to buy it. When we talk about effort and sort of doing all this other stuff is it worth it to start a Facebook group <laughs> so I again have done things backwards I think that should be like a tagline I believe in a lot of people will start a Facebook group and they will pull people into the Facebook group and then nurture them and sell them into programs one of my strategies is getting off social media so I will go into Facebook groups because other people are managing them and they're taking the time. I will go into those groups where my ideal customers are. I will engage in the audience, share relevant content, and I will then pull people in to my email list. I will nurture them from my email list. And then, for example, my mastermind group, you pay $97 a month, and then I'll put you into my mastermind group. So I've monetized my group. So therefore, the, the time that I spend running that group is worth it because I'm actually getting paid for that. So it's just another way of doing things. There's no wrong or right. I've worked with, I do work with businesses that do the other way, but I've simply shared with you that there is another way. And a lot of people don't know that there is another way. They just think they've got to do this, this one thing. There are a couple of other funnels that you can use. What are some of these other funnels? Uh, we mentioned them earlier. So running challenges is one of them. So, for example, I've got a client at the moment. Um, she's a Pilates instructor. She's running a five-day uh, cleanse. So she went onto social media for four to six weeks beforehand, marketed it through, uh, sold people, you know, $27 into this group, 
Every day she'll give them a Pilates session and she'll take them through a cleansing routine, has given them some eating plans and other things. And then at the end of the five days, we'll upsell them into her 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 actual program. So challenges is one of them. With that webinar funnel that we spoke about, you can run organic competitions as well. And collaborations is fantastic. So, for example, what you and I are doing today is obviously a collaboration. You're going to be in front of my audience. I'm going to be in front of your audience. It's another one, another way to be able to, um, it's another funnel. It's another funnel. And what are some, if you could go back in time and speak to a younger self, what would you tell her? The number one thing that I wish that I'd done better in the beginning was I think managing time. I think being a lot more accountable the time that I spent on things is really is like I've only sort of mastered that in the last couple of years when I've become super busy in my in my business. But I think that I would have fluffed around a lot less if I'd prioritized my time and blocked it out and done that in the beginning. And I think that's where one of my taglines come from is like if you want to be a business owner, own your business. You've got to do some of the yucky stuff. One of the other things I wish I'd learned is probably paid a little bit more attention to the the setup of things. So whenever you set up something in your business, like if you're setting up Zoom and it takes you through the process of answer this and now do that, don't just create an account and like log in and go, okay, I'll do that later because later never comes. Dedicate like a whole day because whatever vehicles you're going to use in your business, you've got to make sure that you know how that vehicle runs and that you can get the best mileage out of it. So I think if I had to go back, it'd probably be time management, and it'd probably be around fully understanding every platform. And and I do that now in my business. Anything that we use in my business, even though I don't like it, and now I might have a team member who does it for me, I will still make sure that I know how to use it. And what are some takeaways you could sort of give to the audience? Some advice you would give to them if they want to market their businesses. Should they go so to you? Should one, they maybe think for themselves first? Oh, what do you think? For me, it's always about investing in yourself. So I want people to invest in themselves. So firstly, I want everyone to know you can do it. Like if little old me can do it, little old me who's hyperactive, non-techie, like not this way inclined at all, and I taught myself and I'm enjoying it because it's profitable and I don't spend my life online, then you can do it too. The second thing is is as a business owner, the sooner you can get used to the roller coaster. So if you get used to the ups and the downs and know that there's going to be excessive ups and excessive downs, you will start to enjoy the ride. So it will just happen and you will know it and you will enjoy it. So it won't knock business owners back so much because I think about how many times when I was starting out I was crying and miserable for days and so frustrated and stressed. And I think now that I just accept it, I go, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. (laughs) So the sooner we can do that, the better. And then the other strategy, as I said, is just knowing that you can do it, don't be so quick to outsource it and that it is your business. So really take ownership of that business. And if you want to be a business owner, get good at being a business owner. And it doesn't have to be horrible. It can be enjoyable. Great, great. And I think we're coming to an end here. So any last words, anything else you'd like to give to the audience here? Uh, no, just thank you so much just for the opportunity to come and inspire other business owners. Being in business can be tough. Uh, most business owners don't want to work for someone else. And unfortunately, with COVID, many people have been forced to work for themselves. 
And so I just love to be able to inspire them and show them that it is possible and you can do it. And I just wish everyone the absolute best in their business and just have an absolute blast with it. Excellent. Great. And I am Jimbo Paris, and this is the Jimbo Paris Show. Also, take note, we are also promoting Allison Cosgrove's content and David Medansky's content, Break the Chains of Dieting. It's available now online. Go on and buy one right now. All right. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Parish Show. 